Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast with your host, Janet Borrego. Each week, I bring you an inspiring person or message to empower you to live life on your terms so you can be who you want to be, do what you are meant to do, and have the life you deserve to have. We will provide you with practical and cutting-edge approaches to continue getting clarity and direction on your path, mastering your mindset, and gaining confidence to tap into your inner wisdom so you can live on purpose. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of With Clarity and Purpose. And I am so excited for today's episode because we have a very special person, Katie Sophia Sluter. And I met Katie probably like two weeks ago in a meeting where we were a lot of business women just connecting and networking with each other. And she's such an inspiring person because she recently published her first book while completing her Homeland Security major. It's just crazy because so many times we think that it's too late to publish a book or we are too young to publish a book. We have all these limitations inside our minds. And I think Katie is just the embodiment of empowerment and really of taking responsibility for her dreams. So to introduce her formally, Katie Sophia Sluter is a Chinese Moroccan American author with a Homeland Security major. She recently published her first poetry book called Bits and Pieces, Grief, Anxiety, Longing, and Healing. And these books intend to help readers express and understand their emotions and heal from their traumas through Katie's life journey. I've read a lot of the book and I'm in love with it. So I just cannot wait to know more about your journey, Katie. Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I look forward to this. I love it. I think I was reading your bio in Amazon, you know, where mm-hmm. you're selling your book. And I was just researching. And every time I would learn more about you, I would become more intrigued. I'm like, oh my gosh, she knows four languages and her journey and all these things. So I'm just excited. I think you are a very inspiring and aspirational person. Katie, you are Chinese, Moroccan, American. I love the combination. <laughs> Tell us more about your background. I mean, where all started for you? Where were you born? How did you get here? Just tell us everything about it. Yeah, so I was born in Morocco. My mom is Moroccan. We're actually native Moroccan, which I always find so cool and everything because we have like our own like tribal like dialects and all of that. So my family is like fluent in it. I still have to practice with my grandma and everything to kind of get eased into it. But I understand everything pretty much. But yeah, so then my dad is Chinese from Beijing. It's crazy because my parents met in Togo, Africa. He had a Chinese restaurant there and my mom went there for work and then they just happened to cross paths. Yeah. And then after that, they got married, had me and my brother and then divorced after like two years or whatever. Then I lived in Morocco up until I was like around 11, 12 years old and I moved here. 
Wow. You have a similar story. I mean, my mom and my dad, they mm -hmm. both met in Cuba, where I'm from. So that yeah. part not. But we really moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old. That's so interesting. So tell me more about Morocco. Okay, I'm just interested. <laughs> like, do they have more like different dialects in Morocco? How does the culture works? I've always wanted to go there, but I haven't gotten the chance yet. You should. Okay. So if I go next summer, I'll invite you. You can come with oh me. I'm thinking God. of maybe having like graduation celebration there with my family. Maybe we'll see how everything works out. But if I go, I'll make sure to take you with me. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, I'll go for sure. <laughs> And so do they have different dialects? What is the main language there in Morocco? So our language is considered like a form of Arabic. Yeah. But to us, whenever we speak it, we other like Arab speakers don't understand us. It's kind of like Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah. Where, yeah. So they don't understand us, but we understand what they say. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a mixture of like Arabic, French and Spanish because the northern region is about, well, in Morocco, it's 20 minutes by ferry or like 20 miles. I can't remember exactly, but from Spain. So we're really like that close to Spain. And then we were colonized by the French. So like both, I guess, cultures and languages are like infused within like the Moroccan culture and everything. That is beautiful. And I read that French, Moroccan, like four languages, if I remember well. Is that right? Yes, it's Moroccan, English, French, and Arabic. And you learn all of them there in Morocco? Yes. So in Morocco, it's very interesting, but everyone there is like bilingual. So my grandma, because from like an older generation and stuff, she's illiterate like she didn't go to school and stuff because at the time it's like a woman's place was like in you know getting married running the household and everything but she's still bilingual because since she's native Moroccan they have their own like tribal dialects wow. and then they speak I guess national Moroccan language and then wow. my grandpa speaks three languages then it would be the tribal dialects and then native well sorry Moroccan and then French And my mom is that like with English instead. And so, yeah, it just they teach you like ever since kindergarten, they start teaching you both French alphabet and Arabic alphabet, like in kindergarten. And so wow. you grow up like speaking at least three languages. That is just so impressive. I love that. Yeah. I just needed to ask a question. I'm like, I need to understand where this came from. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for explaining. So let's talk about your book, which I have here, of course. I was rereading some pieces this morning in preparation for this interview. Bits and Pieces. So this is a very profound book. I mean, it's full of vulnerability. It's full of emotions. As a reader, you read it and you relate and you're feeling all those emotions that we all sometimes try to hide, right? To be honest. Yeah. And... I want to know your journey. How did this journey of writing the book started? Because I know you published it this year, but you have been writing it for years before even getting published. Tell me more about the journey. Yeah, so I always, I guess, turned into writing as a way to like comfort myself or kind of deal with my emotions and try to understand whatever is going on. But I never thought, I guess, publishing a book was like, ever like I guess in my plan 
or yeah. anything like that. And then in 2017, my aunt, well, one of them was murdered and the other one died like Sorry. 24 hours later from like the shock and everything. But yes, after that, I kind of just started like writing, I guess, more. And that's where like the vulnerability like part came out of it because I was trying to get through the grief process and everything. And then after that, it's amazing. But like a lot of stuff comes out even after the grief period, because I think whenever like you lose a loved one, then you realize, oh, well, life actually is short. I think we all know that, but you don't really realize it or your perspective doesn't change until you actually end up losing that loved one or whatever. And so, yeah, that's when I was like, well, maybe I should publish my work. But during COVID, I saw a lot of people lose their loved ones and everything. And I figured maybe I was a little ahead in my like grief journey. So if I could publish this, then it might help some people get through it as well. That is so beautiful. And I can totally relate to you in this grieving process because, I mean, my family is super small. It's basically my mom, my uncle, and my grandmother who were in Cuba, and then my dad is in Cuba. My mom and I were the only ones who immigrated here, basically. And last year, for the first time ever, I lost someone in my family, my uncle from cancer, And he was such an influential piece in my life since childhood. He was like a father figure to me. And I lost him to cancer and I had never lost anyone before. So I didn't know, to be honest, what to expect. And it is so true what you said that those waves of griefs, they happen in the moment as a shock, but later on they keep coming. It's a process of healing. And just like you were inspired by your aunt passing away, I was inspired by my uncle because he had many dreams he couldn't fulfill and then life ended. And I was like, that's not going to be me. I mean, that was such a big inspiration for even me to transition from my nine years corporate career to full-time coaching and speaking, which is what I'm passionate about. So I... Oh my God, like everything you're saying just resonates so much with me. And I'm sure it resonates with many of our listeners, which is amazing. I'm sorry for your loss. Well, they say it gets better. I don't know. I think with time, you kind of just learn to get through the pain or kind of just live with it at this point. But I can understand how influential your uncle was to you because it was the same thing for me with my aunt's. So my mom, she immigrated first and she was working two, three jobs to support my brother and I and then her family back home and stuff since she was like the oldest. So my mom's side of the family, like I, they're the ones that raised me and everything. So my aunts were like second moms yeah. to me and stuff. Yeah, that's beautiful. And did the writing process start, because your aunt event was the one who motivated to publish, right? When did the writing process start? You write about grief, anxiety, longing, and healing. Those are the four chapters of the book. So when did the writing start, really? How old were you? I think I started at like 10 or 11 Yeah, I always liked writing, but at first I would just go online and look up like different poems and I would like copy them down and hang them in my room 
on my wall and stuff because I like those poems and stuff. I think high school is when I was like, okay, I need to maybe start journaling and like writing poems and stuff. And it kind of started from there. But I don't think ever went into like depth until during the grief process. Wow, that is so nice. I remember Cuba, I didn't have many toys or anything, but I had a lot of books. (laughs) And my uncle always would give me like poems, books and things that I would read that honestly, all of those deeps were, all of those books were deep for a nine-year-old, but I would just read them. And I remember as a child, I would always be in love with a boy (laughs) for whatever reason. And I would write poems about that love that wasn't realized. And I see in your work, a lot of the poems are also similar in that sense towards something, someone that maybe you were in love that you were not corresponded or you were lied to or something, right? That deep love, that longing in a way. Yeah, so actually with that, it's interesting. I find inspiration in literally like movies and music, everything like that. Even through like my family or my friends' journeys, like if they tell me something and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But I never think of it. And then like I go to sleep and it kind of hits me like a wave. I literally sometimes I had moments where like I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like jotting down like whatever poem that came into my mind because I don't want to forget it. Or like I write it down on my phone to make sure that I don't forget it. And then the next day kind of review it and stuff. I'm like, I think this is good enough or stuff like that. But yeah, in the longing portion, some of them were about like friends and family and the others about love. I won't lie. It was honestly just from inspirational stuff, whether it's from like sad music lyrics or rom-coms or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful too. Inspiration can come in many ways, right? Life's experiences or the interpretation that you Mm -hmm. have about a piece of music. I mean, that's the beauty of creation and creativity. It can come in many ways. There is not a specific how. Mm -hmm. The how remains flexible. That is so nice. I'm so happy to see that through your college years, you still connect to it. I used to write a lot, even in high school. I studied chemical engineering as my bachelor. Mm -hmm. And I feel that whenever I started studying chemical engineering, I just stopped writing. I just stopped (laughs) writing poetry. But lately, funny enough, I've been called more to do it. And I just love connecting with you. Someone who has inspired me is Young Pueblo. Young Pueblo. I think I've heard that name, but I haven't read his work. Oh, my God. I'm going to send you in Instagram the link because you're going to feel like very connected to him because he also writes in free verse and most of his books are all free verse. So I think you're going to love him, too. (laughs) And I need any recommendations you can give me. Oh my God, like you want, like I read your book and I think of him too. So I think you're going to resonate a lot with his work and he's super famous. Like you'll be too, (laughs) because you're amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I really (laughs) admire your work. So you have been writing all these poems for years and years to come. When your aunt passed away, tell me the thought process and the emotional process of, yes, I'm going to publish this book. Like what went through your mind? Did you talk to anyone or was that a decision that you just felt within you and you just decided to pursue it? 
I think for a long time, I found it hard to kind of commit to any little projects I was doing. During COVID, a lot of people lost their loved ones and everything, like I mentioned, but I also, my family lost its uh, small business and uh, we used to have two locations and it shut down and everything. And so I was like, I think this is the moment where I kind of need to grow up and just like learn to commit to something and actually finish like some of my work or projects I had at the time. So I was like, okay, I need to do this. I think that convinced me like, okay, I have to, because I realized, I guess, well, I always knew life was short and stuff, but after COVID, I'm just like, try to control or plan as much as you want for it. But when it comes to stuff like this, no one ever sees it coming. So it's like, you don't know what's to come. And so what if I were to die tomorrow and like I never did anything with my life or accomplished anything because I was too scared or to commit finishing a project. And so I think that kind of like gave me the little push that I needed. That's beautiful. One of my favorite spiritual teachers that I listen to, his name is Wayne Dyer. He passed away from cancer a few years back. But he always says, do not die with your music inside. And that always has resonated so much with me because sometimes we limit ourselves and we stay in the familiarity zone, right? Like you put in the back of your book because we are afraid of getting out of that comfort zone or we are afraid of the outcome, what the outcome might be that maybe is not the one we want. What have you learned about that through the act of committing to a project and really trusting that things were going to work out in a way for you? What did you learn during that process? At first, I guess I didn't realize, but what was holding me back in a way was actually the fear of maybe this would come to fruition, right? It's like, what if I do good and people like my book and what next? I think it's that anxiety that kind of comes after. You're like, okay, what's going to happen next? And then, but yeah, I enjoyed writing it and everything. It's good that I committed to it. Now I'm, I'm happy about it. And so it's kind of in a way giving me inspiration to commit more to whatever dreams I have or whatever I want to do next or anything like that. Because I think the best way to go on about living your life and not having any regrets is at least to try and make the best decision that you can in the moment and at the time and just see how things work out after that. I love that so much. And I can appreciate that you brought up. So there are two fears, the fear of failure, but there is also a fear of what if I succeed? (laughs) What's going to happen? Can I do this? Like, what am I going to become? What's the next step? So, I mean, I love that you brought that up because we don't talk often about that other fear of succeeding. (laughs) How did you overcome that? fear or not necessarily overcome it, but how did you let that not stop you from actually working through your project? I think if you want something hard enough, you kind of find ways to push yourself and find the inspiration to just make that work or whatever dream that you have. So I listen a lot to these like motivational and uh, speakers and all of that. And it's like, you have to be hungry for it and really want it to actually like achieve it because at that point, nothing in the way 
would stop you, right? Like even you would have all these fears and challenges and obstacles, but you're like, at the end of the day, this is what I want. I'm going to keep going forward until I get it. Yeah, that's it. And something that I always teach my coaching clients, even when they set their goals and their dream is asking the question, hey, are you willing to sacrifice what you need to sacrifice in order to get there? Because you're true, you got to be hungry. And in those moments of walking towards your dream, there are going to be obstacles and challenges and you're going to feel like not doing it or just giving up. So I think that hunger and that vision towards the place that you want to move towards the future, that's what keeps you motivating yourself, like you mentioned. So in the back of your book, you have this quote do not fade into the background of familiarity. What does that mean to you? What inspired you to write that at, in the back of your book? So actually, this I remember writing during a writing course I took at HCC because after high school, I went to HCC for like the first two years and then I transferred to Tulane. So during our writing course, I loved my professor. He was a genius in my mind. He was really good. And so every time he'll come into class, he's like, okay, you have 10 minutes to just literally journaling about your day, like writing whatever you want on this piece of paper. And so I just kind of started writing. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. Today is Monday, blah, blah, blah. And then I this came out of it. And I really liked it because... It spoke to me in a way I'm like, well, actually, I have been stuck in my comfort zone and I haven't really, I guess, done much with it other than just go to school. And I had this like perfect plan, but things don't always go according to plan. So just be stuck in that one phase of your life. And if anything goes wrong or something, then you just like freak out and don't know what to do. You kind of just have to like adjust and overcome And so it was, yeah, I think that's how we, this started. And I liked it so much to where I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it in like the back of the book and all of that. That's beautiful. And I feel that's such a great analogy to life and pursuing things we have never done before. Even like you said, hey, I started writing today's Monday. Yeah. Nothing to do, but I took action. And in the midst of that action and that writing, that inspiration came And so many times we are waiting for this inspiration and this motivation to come even before we start. It's the opposite, right? You got to start and then you get motivated and inspired so many times because every day you're not going to feel like writing deep poems. I assume, I don't know. (laughs) But it's just like that. Life is, you got to take that first step and in the midst of taking action, then you gain that clarity. I agree, yeah. That's beautiful. So, okay, You decided to publish this book. You had most of the material, I assume, right? Most of the Uh, writing already. Do you have it in a notebook? Well, I'm pretty old school, I guess. I love the feel of like the paper and the pen. So yes, I had a journal that I kept and it was, I guess, strictly for poetry. And then I had another journal that I just write my everyday like thoughts on or like my plan for the day stuff like that but for the poetry one yeah it was this like collection of poems in there that I had to kind of sift through and like rearrange into the four chapters grief anxiety longing and healing and then I had to come up with like an introduction and like an ending 
portion of like the book and that took me a while because I didn't know where I would go with it and then I ended up having the background and like the message to the reader in the end of the book and then the background in the beginning and then actually the book cover I had I guess during COVID <laughs> we were locked down for like three months I bought a small canvas I think it was about like this big and I started and I bought like different colored Sharpie pens. And so I started doodling on it. And then, yeah, so the ending of the canvas was like this. And so I had to learn to like scan it, download everything and try to like add more color to whenever like it was actually on a computer screen instead of in front of me. And I turned that into my book cover. Wow, I just love it. I think it's very creative. It's very colorful. I think it also reflects the content in a way. So I'm just very inspired. Okay, so and I'm like a step-by-step person. I got to have the higher vision and then chunk down into the details. That you wanted to publish this. You had another comment that I want to make. Always the end of the project seems freaking endless. Like even when I was working on my digital course, the last 10%, it felt like climbing that mountain (laughs) and I'm not ready for it. It always seems so long. So it's good to validate that feeling because you're telling me it was similar to you as you were. Yes. And actually the formatting portion, because on Amazon, I have both like the paperback version, which is like the physical copy and then the Kindle version. But those are two completely different formats. And so I had to try to come up with a format for whenever it's a print book and then whenever it's an electronic book. And that's even looks different if you're reading it from your phone or tablet or even computer because it's different screens. And so it took me, that last part took me, I think, the longest out of everything, honestly. I kept getting frustrated because I'm like, why is this not working and everything? So when I actually clicked publish on Amazon, I ordered me an author's book like immediately and I unpublished it right then and there because I was like, I want no one to see my work or anything like that until I make sure I get my author's copy and there is like no mistakes in it or anything like that. That is beautiful. Were you Googling and learning all of this by yourself or was someone guiding you? Like how did that process work? So for the editing process, I'm very thankful for one of my professors. He was kind enough to help me like edit everything whenever like I decided what poems to keep and the chapters and everything. But he helped me with the editing. But yes, the rest of everything, I'm like YouTubing everything. I'm like, how do I publish my book? And then what do I do for formatting? And how about the book cover? Because it needs to be in certain formats or like files to like upload it and everything. So yeah, I had to learn that on my own. Yeah, it's a process. I get it. And when you decided to publish your book, did you share that with someone? Like, did you have any limiting belief or any fear other than the one of like, oh my God, what if I'm super successful? What were you feeling inside of you when you decided to expose yourself completely with this book? I remember I told my family and then I had asked one of my favorite professors since college, asked him if he could help me with the editing and he was nice enough to say yes. And then my mom was very, and my brothers were very encouraging. They're like, okay, you have to follow through with it and everything. 
And every day I remember like I was working on it. My mom would come and like check the progress just to see because like I kind of needed that little push. And so she'll check and be like, okay, keep going. Or like, are you working? Or if I miss a day or something, be like, are you working on it today? What are you doing? I think my biggest fear other than the fear of succeeding was just people not resonating with my work or not liking it or finding, I guess, what I had to say, I guess, something that they couldn't kind of relate to. And I wanted it so much to be like relatable and everything. And after people got it and they started like leaving little reviews on Amazon or my Instagram, like messaging me and stuff, a lot of them like said, or I think so far, all of them, not to (laughs) exaggerate or anything, but they all said that they related to it and that it was very like touching and emotional for them. And so that always makes me super happy to hear because that was like why I wanted to publish it in the first place. But it was also whenever I wrote it, those were the actual emotions I was going through and I was feeling. So the fact that I was able with like my writing to capture those moments and someone else reads it feels the same way. I think that's like the biggest accomplishment. That's so true. You're seeing people's transformation through your work. That's beautiful. Now, how long did it take between the time you were like, I'm going to publish it until it happened? I think it took me six months. Six months? (laughs) I think it was six months. Yeah. What would you say was like the key to success to make it happen in six months? If someone is like, oh my God, Katie, I want to write a book and I have some of it, but not all of it yet. And I want to make it happen as soon as possible. What would you say to them? What is the first thing that they need to start working on? I think push yourself to at least work on like a couple of poems every day, whether it's like even five minutes or 30 minutes every day you kind of just have to stay consistent with that and it was hard for me to do so because I procrastinate like a lot it's a very bad habit but yes it was hard to get my notes and try to type everything down and kind of edit them and all of that because I just never pushed myself I guess that hard or like committed to doing something every day like that and so It was good that like my family was supportive and my mom would like push me, but my professor would also be like, okay, we have to work at least 30 minutes today on this. And it kind of helped because I'm like, okay, now I have people like pushing me to do that. And if I was by myself, it probably would have taken me longer because I wouldn't have, I guess, not necessarily taken it serious, but I would have probably just like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, I'm like, I'll do it the next day. And it just kind of would have kept going like that. Yeah, there is research that shows that having an accountability partner or a coach or whoever keeps you accountable, it actually helps you move towards that goal and make it happen a lot faster. I totally get it. I totally understand. And I love the advice about, hey, at least 30 minutes every day is not going to be perfect. It doesn't matter how you feel, just 30 minutes. That's what matters at the end of the day. I don't know if you have heard, I'm just obsessed with this productivity technique that aids on that process. Have you heard of Pomodoros? No, I have not. (laughs) So Pomodoros is like dividing your work on chunks of 25 minutes of uninterrupted, like execution, just focus time. 
which is basically what you're saying in different words. What you're saying is like, every day I did one Pomodoro. <laughs> and honestly, in huge projects, like writing a book or doing your digital course, I find that the most helpful. It's like every day, because sometimes you don't have idea of the exact steps when it's something you have never done before. But I love every day just dedicating a set amount of time of uninterrupted focus to that project. And then you start gaining clarity as you continue moving forward. That's I like that. I need to try it in my schoolwork now. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, it's going to be so helpful. I'm going to send you the link for the website that I use mm-hmm. to record my Pomodoro. It's basically a timer. And after 25 minutes, it just starts beeping. But even when you finish those 25 minutes, it's like, yes, one Pomodoro done. I mean, and I literally record every Pomodoro that I've done. <laughs> so I just love, yeah, I love all the productivity stuff. So you write in your book about grief, anxiety, longing, and healing. What have been your key lessons, right, in this journey that... I mean, where you're still healing, I feel where healing is a lifelong process, but what have been your key lessons of these areas? I mentioned it earlier where we're all aware that life is short, but we never, I guess, come to terms with that unless we go through something drastic like loss, whether it's for a loved one, a job, whatever it is, you don't really realize that until you go through that loss. After that happened, I kind of just had to learn to, okay, fight for your dreams and follow them and like see them through. Because like you said about your uncle, like my aunts were the same way. Like they had so many dreams and so many things that they wanted to realize and all of that, but they didn't get a chance to. So in a way, it pushed me to try to do that for myself. I'm like, okay, I have to realize my dreams or stuff like that. But it also or at least I'm trying to teach myself not to have any regrets. I think one of the poems in my book kind of mentions that. It's basically, I guess my thought process was we shouldn't have any regrets in life. At the time, given our circumstances and situation, we made the best choice that we could for ourselves, right? And even if that choice doesn't come out, like doesn't have the result that we wanted, or doesn't come to play the way we expected it to, but that's okay because in the moment you did what you could. I always try to remind myself of that, especially whenever I tend to stress and worry sometimes, and it's because I take the anxiety thing. I'm not sure really why, but I have all these questions where I'm like, I either overthink of like things that won't even happen, or probably if they would, it's like very like rare to happen all these like what if scenarios that like pop into my head. And so I always try to remind myself of that where I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have any regrets. I just, I have to focus on like doing what I can right now and then leaving whatever happens to, it's like, whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen. Like try to control what you can and then everything that's outside of our control should stay that way. I think it's outside of our control for a reason. So we shouldn't like try controlling it if that makes sense of course that makes sense and I mean I totally resonate with that so many times we are focusing on what we can't control which is the future 
<laughs> yeah. The only thing we can control is the present moment, doing our best and showing up in the best way we can. And what I've found with myself and also my clients is that anxiety is a sign from your body and mind that you're focusing on what you don't want. And most of the times when we have anxiety is because we are thinking of the worst thing that can happen. But the opposite can also be true. What is the best thing that can happen? And I think when you focus on what you can control and you focus on what you want as you continue moving forward, you can be unstoppable. You can do anything that you put your mind into it. So I love that you shared your experience. Thank you. And I agree. I think with, I don't know if you're spiritual or not, yes. but I think our you're mind, <laughs> okay, great. Because <laughs> I think our mind is just so powerful, right? So even those thoughts of like worries and like the what if scenarios and stuff, you make that happen by you thinking about it, right? Your mind like manifests that in a way. So it's good to try not to do that because like you said, those are like things that you don't want to happen yet. You're bringing them into life by manifesting them and thinking about them all the time. So you should also only try thinking of like the things that you actually want to happen. But it is difficult to do. I'm still struggling with that. My friend, this is a day-to-day process. Like we gotta bring this mindset like every day. This is not a destination of like, I did it for one week and I'm done. It's just like anything else, like going to a gym, like meditating. It is a lifelong, like, I mean, showering. (laughs) I mean, it is a lifelong everyday process. It is true when you're in the midst of it, you're like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stuck. And I was reading one of your poems, which makes so much sense. Just remember that everything is temporary and your future, it's going to be better. I have it here because <laughs> I have your poem here. So Thank you. Katie says, everything tomorrow is bigger than what's happening today. And everything today is only temporary remember that. So I think that's such a beautiful way of really remembering that everything is temporary. Tomorrow is always better. That's so nice. I love it. As we conclude, I'm just checking here. I've asked all these questions as you're very fluid. So, but I've been enjoying our conversation. As we conclude, first things first, Where can we find your book? Where can we find you? Just give us all that important information. So my book is available on Amazon. You can order it. It's only $10 for the paper copy and I think seven or six for the Kindle version. And for me, if you go to Amazon under the author's page, I have my bits and pieces like poetry page for Instagram on there. But my actual Instagram is literally just my name, Sophia. So yeah, it's pretty, I guess, simple. And I hope people get it and hopefully like it. I would love to hear all the feedback that they have. Even if it's bad, like I don't mind. I It's a way for me to improve and everything. So yeah. That's beautiful. You need to check it out. I read most of the book and I'm just inspired by everything Katie has written about, I'm inspired by every piece, the front, the back, the middle, like everything is so well thought out. And not only that, but 
you can feel the emotion when you read it. And I feel an author that is capable of elicit those emotions in the reader is brilliant, my friend. So you need to Thank check you. out her book. Katie, I always conclude, or most times, <laughs> with a rapid fire question. So I'm going to be asking you questions that I want you to answer really quickly. Do not overthink okay. it. Just like, let's go with the flow. Are you ready, my friend? Okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> I tend to overthink, but I'll do my best. <laughs> you, we are here in flow and you have done amazing in this interview. So Thank what's you. your favorite book? The Alchemist. Ooh, from Paulo Coelho. Yes, I love The Alchemist. That's beautiful. Who is your biggest role model? My mom. Oh my God, mine too. Moms are the best, right? They are so I know, cool. especially from me, like coming from a single mom, I think you have to be that close to your parent because you literally only have one. <laughs> That's it, right? You're yeah. always next to them. What's the most important piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Don't worry about what's to come. I don't know if you read The Alchemist. I think yeah, you have. Yeah. yeah. Like they say there about like the concept of maktub, right? So it's like whatever is meant to be or whatever is destined to happen will happen. And so I just, I would love to tell that to myself. So it would have like released so much angst and nerves and worries if I guess I knew that earlier. That is beautiful. I love that. For your younger self or your adult self, I think that piece of advice fits us all. <laughs> yeah. What are you the most excited about during these days? So I actually started jujitsu about like what? a week That's ago. Cool. Yeah. And so thank you. Yeah. So like you said, it's hard to keep stay motivated if you don't have someone to hold you accountable. So I really like it so far because the coaches like push you on do this do that and it's a great way to practice to exercise but it's you're also learning self-defense at the same time and it's great for like my shoulder too because I'm still recovering from the surgery with that they're going easy on me because of my shoulder but other than that I think it's great so I'm trying to stay consistent with that that's beautiful that is so nice. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for everything you're doing. What's your big next project or step in your journey, whatever that is? I think right now I'm just trying to get through school and graduating. Yes, you, gra you <laughs> graduate next year. Yes, next May. Yes, but I actually also have a little I guess, book projects in the works. Oh so we'll God. see how that goes. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm just, I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. This has been such an inspiring experience because, I mean, one day soon, I've been getting this calling. You get this calling and you're like, write a book. So I'm going to start. And I think interviewing you has been so inspiring in every sense, in the depth of your book, in the depth of how wise you are. I mean, I'm so grateful that you came here in this podcast and we had this interview. So I really appreciate you. And I hope all the listeners, please get her book. It's called Bits and Pieces. Thank you so much, Katie. Is there anything you would like to say before we conclude? No, nothing other than thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you outside of the, the women's oh, yeah. business yeah, group. 
And so, yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much, Katie. And thank you for everyone for tuning into this episode. If this episode was inspiring to you, was helpful to you, please share it with your friends and families. We are here to continue inspiring the world to pursue their dreams, to be their best selves. That's what we are here for. So I hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.